It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to Argyle Chat. It's been a crazy few days in the recent history of Plymouth Argyle with a 5-1 hammering seen Argyle drop into the relegation zone. And just over 24 hours later came confirmation that Derek Adams and Paul Watton had been sacked. Joining me to look back on a tempestuous few days at Chris Errington, Jack Ball and a warm welcome to our special guest, Danny Salmon. Hiya, chaps. Hiya. Yeah, you, you did well to say that word. That's quite a mouthful. Yeah, that's quite a mouthful of the podcast. I was, I've been looking at the thesaurus to try and find a long word and look all posh. <laughs> I'll come across You've got no chance of it. No, no. <laughs> you said it in one take, I'm impressed. <laughs> So, guys, um, as I say, a very tempestuous few days <laughs> in the history of, of Argyle. Um, with Derek Adams going, Danny, are Argyle right to get rid of him at this stage of the season? Well, there, there, there's, there's, two, there's pros and cons for everything. But right now, you do not want everything pointing at Derek Adams. It's all about the team. It's all about winning the football match. And I think if Derek Adams was there, I think that all the um, attention would have been on him from the supporters and I think that you, you don't need that distraction and I think in that sense more than any other that that was important that we, we, we had a focus of the game itself and I think if after all the stick that Derek Adams was getting after the Accrington game and in previous games uh, if, if, we, if we're honest I think uh, it just takes um, a little bit of that attention off of him and more on us winning a football match that we need to do. Yeah, Jack, is it such a, a it's a very brave call to make it at this late stage, isn't it? Well, I remember messaging you saying that when I found out that Derek Adams refused to speak to the media, it, it may be the angriest I've been as a as yeah. a football fan for a long time. You know, following on from him refusing to answer questions about substitutions after the Barnsley game and then that happening, I was quite angry. Um, and I thought his conduct off the pitch was warranted of some discipline at the very least you know and Argo may well be sanctioned still by the EFL for, for that I don't know what, what will happen going forward but as a, purely as a fan I was dreading next Saturday but now there's, I'm almost in a weird way looking forward to it I, Danny's right I think the atmosphere will be much better I think everyone will be cheering on the team probably even more than they would have done so and I think in a weird sort of way there will almost be a bit of a feel good factor now that might not last long if I got conceded early on but going into that game, I think it'll be a great sort of all pulling together. And I think that's what Argyle needed. Yeah. Chris, just how bad was it on Saturday? Yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, there was over 800 Argyle fans there. Many of them stood on the open terrace there and got absolutely soaked to the skin. And uh, their, their reaction at the end of the game summed it all up, really. I, I can't recall many occasions where I've seen Argyle fans as angry as, as they were on Saturday. Um they started the game okay, but as soon as the first goal went in from the penalty spot, it, it was a bit of a familiar theme where they can't stop themselves from conceding goals. You know, at 1-0 down, Danny, you're never out of the game, are you? But 3-0 no. down at half-time, it's, it's game over. There was obviously the the main talking point before the game and doing the live blog, you could see the reaction of the fans that to go into a game against Accrington without your top goal scorer and Ruben Ramirez, 30 goals between them, both sat on the subs bench. Is, it, is 
is a strange decision and unfortunately we didn't get the chance to ask Derek Adams for that. I suspect that Freddie Ladapo maybe wasn't fully fit after injury problems. I suspect that Ruben Ramirez would not have been ideally suited to a muddy, bobbly, horrible pitch at Accrington. But that's just supposition on my part. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it's that. But nonetheless, when you go into a game you're looking to win and you've got your two top scorers on the bench, it's not a good look. It perhaps doesn't send out the right message. And I suppose what I'd say is that you can blame Derek Adams as much as you want. That's everyone's opinion. Um, but I do think it's true, Danny, and I don't know if you agree with me, when players cross the white line, there's not a lot a manager can do. There's t- t- tweaks and changes. And to my mind, with the honourable exception of Jan Zongo, I don't think any of those players were anywhere near the level they should have been. We, we see it so often. You're right, Chris. Uh, you know, whether you like the manager or not, and I've disliked some managers when I played for them, but I'd never ever go out there and not give 100%. And you sometimes wonder, people look at, you know, the supporters say certain things, and, oh, they're not trying, they're not trying. I've never been in a dressing room where players don't try. Mm. But there's a difference between going through the motions and making an effort. And the second half against Barnsley, I noticed that players were, were doing what they're supposed to do, but without that little bit of something that I know that they've got. That, that enthusiasm, that, that it almost looked like they were just going through the motions and really didn't have an idea of what they were doing or really cared what they were doing. They were just slotting across and closing people down half-heartedly. And if that's what's happened at Accrington, um, the players have got a responsibility. Ultimately, it's the manager. But the players have got a responsibility, as we've seen with many other teams over the past years that we've watched football, where a manager leaves because all of a sudden he's lost the dressing room and players, a new manager comes in and they win five, six, seven games on the trot. So there is that. Um, but unfortunately, um, you know, at the end of it, I think all we can look forward to is hoping that um, we go out there, the players um, realise that they deserve, the supporters deserve a lot more than what they've been given uh, in recent matches. Yeah, as an ex-player though, Danny, do you, I mean, football I, I think has probably changed a lot since your day and there does seem to be so much player power these days. Um, do you think it is like a, a general mentality thing where players don't care as, as much as they perhaps did back in your day, where there was more pride in the shirt and the badge? I, I, without a doubt. I mean, people can, can laugh at that, but it, there's no doubt in my mind that that is the case with football now. Um, people feel sorry for themselves. They sulk a lot. But a lot of players know they can leave a club and get other clubs. They don't have that worry about, you know, if I don't perform. You know, if they don't feel like it, let's just shut up shop. And there's a lot of players that have shown quite often in their careers that that is the case. And that is a big change in what I've seen in my football, from my football career to what I see now. Unfortunately, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a surprise to me the way things turn out sometimes. And it's a shame it happens, but unfortunately the team, the supporters are the ones that suffer. Not the players. Yeah, you, you mentioned there that you felt Derek Adams perhaps lost, lost the dressing room. We've had a question from Stephen Bryan saying, what players will follow Derek Adams out the door and how much will this impact future spending at the club? Has a chunk of the transfer budget been cut? Well, I think it depends on when Derek Adams goes. Because if Derek Adams goes to a place where players don't want to go, it won't happen. So, you know, how many of those players that he's brought in are likely to leave with him? You know, obviously you've got someone like... I don't know, Lemiris, would he follow him? Probably not. Um, 
I just, I just think that that, that that sort of question is a difficult one. If, if he was successful and he was liked and he was higher up in, in football, um, if he gets a really good job and there's lots of money around and he, he likes one or two of the players, I, you know, but who knows? I wonder whether Stephen's sort of referencing the fact that um, Kieri and Ramirez yeah. and Ladapo could all be leaving just almost regardless of whether Derek Adams stayed or, or not, um, would have been leaving this summer because Ladapo is under contract but you know he's got 18 goals this season and might be a target for other clubs because of that and carrying the mirrors out of contract and things like that so um so i mean in answer to the question Stephen asked about has a chunk of the transfer budget been cut we don't know the answer to that that is obviously a question to ask simon hallett when we get a chance to speak to him and by saying if by getting rid of derek adams and paul watton and paying contract settlements to them has that therefore reduced the transfer budget for the next manager or is extra money being found almost certainly from Simon Hallett to cover the costs of Adams and um, and Watson departing so that is an important question going forward and one that we'll uh, certainly certainly ask and yes that could then have an impact on future spending so um, we're still in the relatively early days of, of, of the, the changes, the, the tempestuous changes, as you so rightly put it. <laughs> Three it's times really, now that word. <laughs> it's a nice uh, word. It's, it's, it's early days, isn't it? But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely ask that question and try and find out what the answer is. But potentially, yes, it could affect the, the play budget. It's certainly going to be interesting given that, you know, when, when you spoke with Simon Haller recently and he came out and said the club are, are losing money at the mm. moment, it's not self-sufficient. No. So... Perhaps he's looking at ways of making. I'm sure he wouldn't. I'm sure he wouldn't have wanted to to make a change uh, unless he really felt compelled to do so. They appointed Ian Roscoe as uh, head of player recruitment last week to work with Derek Adams. They didn't make that appointment last week, in my opinion, with the intention of any thought of thinking we're going to change the manager no. after the game against Accrington. And he's talking about pre-season dates and yeah, all sorts of it's, it's, specifics. Everything's all a lot of things are fixed in place, but I just think going. Finally, back to the Accrington game, is that it was so poor on the pitch. The fans were so disillusioned off the pitch. The manager shut himself off from everyone by not talking to the media. It was the tipping point. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. There, there was no way back. Yeah, I don't think it was pre-planned at all. I don't think that anybody had any idea two, three, four weeks ago that this was going to be the case. I just think probably Derek Adams has had enough of the abuse. Um, and I think that the fans have obviously had enough of him going quiet and, and not talking to them and f- trying to find out exactly what's going on at the club. And I think that, you know, one game to go, would you normally sack a manager? No, but it might be the best for both of them. They both probably agreed that it would be better to go right now and the last game to be, you know, without him being around. And we've said many times on this podcast that I don't think it is necessarily the fact that our goal have lost. It's the manner of defeats. We've said that before. When we've been asked, do you think Derek Adams will be sacked and what will it take for him to be sacked? We've always said, oh, we don't think he will do unless it gets to a point where the performances mm. are so bad. And I think over the last, what, six, seven, eight, there's not been much fight shown. They've conceded more than two goals in God knows how many games in a yeah. row. And that's been topped off by a 3-0 defeat to Barnsley and, and a 5-1 loss to Akinasani, I think. You know, it got to that point where there's just so little signs of things improving that you've got, almost got nothing to lose. There were those recurring themes as well. And you touched on it earlier as well, Chris, when you said about, you know, Argyle concede a goal and they quickly concede a second and a third. And, yeah. you know, before you know it, they're out of the game and yeah. uh, the, the game was gone. Yeah. So Two games in a row, wasn't it? Well, I just want to go back to what Danny said a minute ago. You feel like there could be a part of Derek Adams that felt he had had enough? Oh, you don't think Derek Adams would have wanted to no, see got, out the season? No, I've got no doubt that Derek Adams will probably be thinking to himself that he's had enough. 
Honestly, I really do because I've I've been in dressing rooms and, I, and and they're only human. You know, they're not robots. Players are not robots. Managers are not robots. And you know, players vent their anger quite rightly. It's 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 you know up to them. It's their decision. Um, but managers feel as well. And if he thinks that he's not getting what he feels he should be getting, and he probably looks and look what I've done for the club in his own view that he's done very well supporters are looking at what's happened recently and the trouble with him so it wouldn't surprise me in the least that he felt probably it would be better that he went you know you're going to go at the end of the season anyway Derek well I'll go now you know and I don't that wouldn't surprise me in the least that he, he had something to do with that he was definitely getting more frustrated with the yeah. players I mean after the Gillingham game for example at on Good Friday when they lost 3-1 having led 1-0 at half time I remember him saying the players have got a man up and that's quite a yeah. a veiled criticism, isn't it? Yeah. You know, in public, my players are going to man up, you know, and so I think there was frustration, disappointment, also a culmination of many yeah. many factors have led us to where we are. And then we saw the incident with Freddie Ladapo, where you mm. know there was those contra- contrasting yeah. reports of whether he was injured or whether he wasn't. And yeah, there just seems to be so many aspects. No matter where you turn, mm. there was an issue. Mm. But whether it was with the fans, the media, mm. players, mm. It's on and off the pitch, every single way, place you turned, there seemed to be an issue of Derek Adams or, or something somewhere. But isn't this the case so often in football, Danny? I've seen it from my perspective as a reporter. You will have seen it as a, as a player and being involved in the game as long as you have. But when one or two things start going wrong, you just watch that Snowballs. snowball. Yeah. It's incredible. It, it, it does, it? because everybody looks to protect themselves. Players look to protect themselves. Managers look to protect themselves. The board, they all have got a reason why it's not their fault. Um, and it's got to be a collective thing, and it's, it's, it takes a big thing. Back in the day, it probably would have happened a little bit better, where we all roll up our sleeves and have a go. But in this day and age, unfortunately, people protect themselves, and it was unravelling very, very quickly. And you're right, Chris. It, once it starts going, it, it's like a snowball effect. It really goes quickly, and we've seen it before. Our club is not the first one, or the last one it's going to happen to. It'll happen again. I've used the analogy before, but I do think it is accurate at a football club you are pushing trying to push a boulder up a hill up a mountain if everyone pushes that boulder together together you can make progress it might take time Mm. but you can once one or two start taking their hand off that boulder and letting other people do it or saying well i've done my bit i'll let somebody else do it you watch how quickly Mm. that boulder will roll back down the hill and unfortunately that does seem to have been the case for our club doesn't it And it happened very quickly. Yeah. Do, do you think there was a case with Derek Adams where he was too consumed by Plymouth Argyle? I mean, he seemed to have this role of first-team manager, obviously, head of football. We've seen pictures of him training the under-8s and being involved in the academy. You know, do you think he, he almost took too much on board? He is self-obsessed. He is. He does want... He believes in himself a lot. He actually believes that he's as good as anybody at his job. And... I think that, that, that those criticisms that he's got in recent months, he doesn't like. And I think that he believes he's better than that. And, uh, and, I, and I do believe that he, take, he has taken, he wants to have success so much and so often that when something like this happens, it's difficult to take. And having so many roles will build up on him. And I know what it'll be like. You know, I used to, be, I used to go to David Kemp's hotel room when he was, and when the pressure was on him. And you'd think that he was a, a 12-year-old kid, you know, can't sleep. You know, it was awful to, to see somebody. And he's a manager of a football club. So they do feel the pressure. Mm. Um, and sometimes it can get the better of you. 
Yeah. Another question from PAFC Displays. How much of an influence do you feel this will have on the players? And is a week on the training ground with Kevin Anskville long enough to change the mentality of the squad in terms of the way they have played? <laughs> you don't... To be honest with you, with one game to go, Kevin Anskville, if he was clever enough, he would not change hardly anything. The, the players themselves have got to go. We've been here all season. We know what we can do. They've shown signs of great play. Um, depending on who's fit, he'll, he'll probably go very similar to what's been happening. But it's those players. If those players suddenly feel a bit of a responsibility to the supporters and to themselves and to the club, they'll give that extra 20%. And that's all that's going to take for us to win a football match. And Kevin Naskill doesn't have to do anything. All he has to do is remind the players of their responsibility. And if the players believe in that, I don't think we'll have a problem. But it really does depend on the players themselves this time. I don't think Kevin's going to be able to do anything that's going to be able to change anything. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be tinkering with too much. I think, you know, you could say, well, why don't we play two up front and why don't we do this and why don't we do that? I think you stick to, to what you've worked on for much of the season. Yeah. You remind the players of the responsibility and uh, you, you send them out with as much positivity as you can, put them in a good frame of mind. Um, it's one of those ones where, you know, recriminations, blame, we can all speculate and, and look at that and perhaps in more depth once the season ends. Yeah, I think for, for this week... It is, you know, everyone has got to get behind Kevin Nanskeville and the players and hope that they can get the result they need and that other results go their way. It's not in their control, but you can only deal with yeah. what you've got in front of you. And uh, When, you've got, nine, when you've got 90 minutes of football, professional footballers, when they will have a go, especially at home, if it was away, it may be a slightly different um, proposition, but being at home with their supporters... You know, I would be very, very disappointed if those players didn't produce the best that they could on, on the day, even if it was just the effort. There's no doubting, of course, I saw that Scunthorpe were giving free trans- travel to fans. Yeah. They're going to be wanting to come and spoil the party. They've got to stay up. It's a big game for both teams. And it's, it's going to be fascinating mm. to watch. And hopefully, mm. we'll be the, Argyle fans will be the happier ones to come full well, time. I mean, I think that really works in Argyle's favour. The fact that Scunthorpe have got to come down and win the game. You know, they, they can't come down and play for a draw. They can't be tight at the back or anything no. like that. They've got to take chances. But I don't think Argyle can be thinking that a draw will be enough. They need to also be thinking, we need to win this game. I, I, you know, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Southend could pick up a result. Kevin Bond's done not a bad job there. If they we, get a draw, a draw won't even be enough. We right. can't defend anyway. We've got, we've got to go out there and attack and try and score goals. If we, if we sat back and we're cautious, we're, we're, we'll be in trouble. And we can't do that. We've just got to make sure that we go out there with a positive attitude to score goals. And really, I mean, my, 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 me, if I was Kevin, first 10 minutes, I'd say give it all out to score a first goal within the first 10, 15 minutes. Because that will then filter back to Southend yep. and to Bradford where Wimbledon yep. are playing. And they'll, massive, they'll massive know, difference. And then they'll all crikey Yardal are ahead and that just adds that little bit of pressure. pressure. That little bit of seed of doubt, yeah. doesn't it, Danny? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's put the pressure on from the very yeah. first whistle. You know and also, I mean, Scunthorpe were then be thinking, oh, God, we've got to get two goals now. Yeah. We can't win this mm. game 1-0. Listen, how many, how many times do you see a team with 10 minutes to go, go one down, and they go all out and they start to have chances and create chances they haven't done. If we go out there in the first 10, 15 minutes and do all we can to score the first goal, you know, we we'll probably will score the first goal. Put bodies into the box, get bodies forward, get the ball forward, get, get in and around the area. That's what I would be doing anyway. In, in this situation, that's exactly what I'd be doing. 
Yeah, so many names are being mentioned as a potential successor for, for Derek Adams already. Uh, ultimately, though, I think it will come down to the profile of manager that, that Simon Hallett wants. Obviously, he's the, the chairman. Our gallery is, is sort of train set now, so to speak. What essential characteristics and traits would you guys want to see in the next manager? Other than being media, media friendly, of course. But I, I want a personality, someone that can galvanise everyone, make everyone go and sit. When Derek Adams first arrived, he seemed like he was that type of person. He said all the right things about he wants the fans to be a part of it, I want to see youth players come into the team. He ticked every box of what he said, and he delivered that at the start, and slowly it faded away. And I feel like Argon need a big personality to come in and, and really bring everyone together, especially if Argon end up in League Two next season. Because I think that's going to be a tough ask, especially. You know, given how long it took to get out last time, and a character could make a difference in that scenario. Yeah, I, I'm somebody coming from. I think that's a, a, a proper fan's perspective. Well, yeah, you said what would I like yeah, to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, in all. Yeah, I mean, come to you guys mm-hmm. from a sort of more footballing point of view. Then perhaps, um, what sort of manager do you think Argyle need is someone that would, you know, give youth its chance, or I want somebody that will pick the best players. You know that deserve to be in the team regardless of age, whether they're young or not. Um, I don't feel you necessarily need a manager that's fully committed to playing young players. I think you need a manager that can deal with the expectation levels of Plymouth Argyle. Um, the fans have high expectation levels of them. They, um, I think, a lot of them see see Argyle as they they should be challenging to get into the championship. So if they end up in League Two, there's going to be uh, people that aren't very happy with the state that Argyle are in, and whoever comes in. Um, you know, we'll get a little bit of a honeymoon period, but in football these days, it doesn't seem to work that way. And you have to be big enough, strong enough, bold enough to take any flat that comes your way and stick to your principles and try and um, transfer them through to your players. And then hopefully that benefits in performance. So I think expectation levels are always high at Argyle. So you need somebody that can that is ready to accept that, embrace it and... Um, and use that as a as a positive in some ways that you know this is a club that wants to do well it you know hopes to do well and 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 try and sort of galvanise people off that would that need to be someone that's had experience then of, of being in management before or I think so yeah I mean you, you can go with less experienced managers if you want there's no reason why you couldn't do that but uh, I, I wouldn't have a problem with I mean someone... are a big club aren't they. Well, I mean, people argue this till till the cows come home, but you know, I think if you're in League One and you're averaging best part of ten thousand people, um, that's I think they're seventh. Mm. If I'm Jack, doesn't that sound right? Seventh in the average uh, League One attendances Mm. this season. Now, when you think that you know, there's likes of Sunderland and Portsmouth, which you're never ever ever going to get. Bradford, Bradford, yeah, Charlton. Seventh in League One is 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 not bad. So that to me doesn't make you a massive club, but. It's that age-old thing that Danny would have had when he was a player, and I've seen all over the years, the dreaded P-word, Danny, potential. The and I bet any manager's interview will bring that word up. There. It is there. But fulfilling it seems to be the problem. That's, well, that, that's what makes Argyle mm. such an attractive proposition. It's that P-word, because yeah. everyone talks about the catchment area mm. and things like that. But at the same time, it has that adverse effect because it's so difficult to attract. It was interesting when I was um, doing my little writing up in uh, the hospitality suite at Accrington on Saturday and John Coleman came in, the Accrington manager, and I just congratulated him on Accrington staying up and what have you. 
and we got talking about Derek Adams and the, the flack that Derek Adams got from the Argyle fans and John Goldman didn't think it was right and he said people had short memories Stu you wrote um, a piece for the Plymouth Fly website with his comments in that it's yeah. an interesting one you know worth reading even after the event but he one of the points he made to me and I'm sure he would mind me saying is that he says it's very difficult to attract players down there he says you know it's it's not easy it's, mm. it's difficult it's a long way from anywhere um, and so uh, that's another issue that as a manager of Argyle that you might have your players that you want to bring in but it might be difficult to get hold of I think that the distance is, is a you know a problem it's not the problem I think money is the problem that that to me I think it's a combination though isn't it know. that you sometimes have to pay pay people more money well, than you might well, do if you're somewhere else costs. to get them to move yeah. down you've got, you've got so many people travelling all around the world going to clubs um, so you can. I mean, we had Scottish players all over the place coming here from Scotland. So it, you can attract them, but you've got to attract them with a reason for coming. Um, and the better players will want more money. And then you've got to attract them in that way as well. I mean, I came here because I love the place. Um, and, you know, I look forward to coming down here and, and, and setting up life here. But, you know, you're talking about managers, the sort of manager that comes here. He has to embrace the city. He's got to be young He's got to be enthusiastic. He's got to have that vibrancy that you need at this club. Um, but, but you have to be able to communicate really well and you, you have to accept that things aren't always going to go right and you've got to be able to handle the press and handle the supporters. And even if you're angry, you've got to be able to handle all those things that go with it. Derek Adams handled it when he was successful, but he struggled with it when the stick was continuous. You know, and, but managers do, they're only human. But he's got to learn, and other managers have got to learn, that you can't be like that. John Sheridan was like that. He didn't like stick either. But that's all part and parcel of being a manager of a football club. And yes, we have got bigger potential. We're not clubs that get 2,000 every week, where they're, what they're looking at just to survive in League Two. We're not one of those teams. So the expectation levels for us and for the manager will be higher, and it's got to be higher, because we are not... No disrespect to the clubs, but you know the AFC Wimbles and the Aquintons of this world who struggle to get anybody through the turnstiles and money, um, and whatever success they get, like Exeter, you know, on small budgets and, and you know restrictions, you know, we're not like that, and uh, um, the manager's got to understand that, and he's got to embrace that. The lack of communication between the players, the supporters with the players, with the board with the supporters, with the manager with the supporters is too big. It's too big. For me, I've wrote about it before. You know, when I was playing, there was this togetherness with the supporters. We embraced that. We spent a lot of time with supporters. We don't mean it anymore at clubs. You know, they've got that certain attachment, but the golf is too big. And, I, and, and when things are not going well, it gets bigger. And if it gets bigger, the supporters then turn. And unfortunately, I think that's what's happened at this club. You know, there's, you know I could go on and on about... The, 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 the things that I've got brought up with and how the things that we did with the, the board, with the supporters, with the players together, we don't do it anymore. And that causes a bit of a problem. It's us and them. And uh, unfortunately, the clubs that do close that gap, I think, perform better. And I think the clubs are a lot more tighter than, than we are at this moment in time. The thing is, as well, I don't think there's such a thing as the right manager. Nobody's going to no. know how any manager will do in the scenario that I'll go in. There are plenty of man- any manager that applies to a job would have had a bad spell where they've probably been sacked at some point. So that, that's the way it is. And it's also worth pointing out that we did a Facebook Live, didn't we, where we spoke more in depth about different p- people that have been rumoured. Yeah. So it's worth listeners going onto our Facebook page and having a look at that. And the one point I would make is that when you're Plymouth Argyle manager, you're one of the most well known 
famous people in a city of about 260,000 people. Yeah. When you walk around, when you meet people, you are going to get questioned about Argyle. When it's good, you're going to get the plaudits, you won't have to buy a drink. When it's going badly, you are going to get criticism. And um, you have to be able to handle the fact that although we are in the southwest and we're miles from anywhere and all this, that and the other, when you're in the city of Plymouth, Argyle means something to people. Not everyone in the city obviously goes to Home Park, but I know from experience, Danny knows from experience, that you walk out about the city and people are always wanting to talk to you yeah. about Argyle. And the manager, whoever it is, has to, um, as you say, embrace that, accept that, and, and make the positive messages. It was something that John Sheridan never did, and that's why he never really had a rapport with the fans. I agree with you. Jack, when Derek Adams came in, he was brilliant at setting the tone from the start of, this is your club, this is my club, we're all going, everything was spot on. And the new manager that comes in is going to need to be able to do something of that kind. Well, welcome back to the second part of the podcast. Plenty of uh, fascinating debate so far. Um, we ended the first part there talking about managers. Um, one name that really is being bandied about quite a lot, and both, I mean, it's really dividing opinion at the moment, and that's Ian Holloway. Um, Jack, I know you're a massive fan. Chris, I spoke to you. You perhaps weren't so keen on that. No, no. Danny, I'm not sure what your view is at the moment. Well, Would you fancy I, a return for Ollie? Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll go on a professional note that, you know, I think he would be good here. Whether he would come here because of what happened, um, you know, in his past with us um, and whether he would want to come here, whether the supporters would embrace him, I don't know. Would he do a good job here? I'm sure he would. Um, you know, I know that he was on Talk Sport not that long ago talking about it and the fact that he, one of his biggest disappointments was how he left here mm. um, because he was asked that question and he said, yeah, he said it was a Plymouth Argyle. So I think that if, if he had the opportunity and it was right for him, I don't think he'd dismiss it, but whether he could get away with it here, again, it's going to divide opinion. And I think that, uh, would he do well here? Yeah, I'm sure he's got enough contacts and enough knowledge in the game, and he has achieved quite a lot um, to do well. But again, he's got to have the desire to come here, and we've got to have the desire to have him here. Plus, you know, is he going to get the financial backing that he feels he would need to make it a success here? And if it, I don't think he would come here unless he felt that that was the case. It's interesting as well listening to everyone speak. He ticked a lot of boxes of what we were all just talking about. He would know the expectation. He would know the area. I think he would pull everyone together. A lot of the boxes that we just mentioned, I think he ticks quite a lot of them. But, you know, it, it comes down to what he's done recently and whether he can sell himself. But I don't, think, so. I don't think... If, if he sat down with Simon Hallett in the board and he asked the right questions financially... I don't know if he'd get the right answers. Yeah, and, and bear in mind, obviously, the, one of the reasons he left in the first place was because of budget and yeah. finances and things like that. And um, I suspect the finances and budget are Worse. not going to be great, <laughs> yeah. uh, whether Argyle are in League One or League Two. Um, so I, I always got on quite well with Ian Holloway. You know, it's hard not to, to be honest. He's you know a larger than life character, and if he comes back to Argyle, he'd bring a lot of enthusiasm. I just think that maybe, you know some of the younger younger managers, the likes of uh, Darrell Clark, some people like that, Paul Hurst, um, have proved that they can achieve success in the lower leagues um, with not masses of money to spend, play their sides play good football. Shrewsbury, you know, were fantastic under Paul Hurst. Yes, it didn't work out for him at Ipswich, but um, you, you could see why you'd consider somebody like him. Um, but, you know, there's there's a lot of candidates out there. We could We could do... 
Oh, one podcast we might even end up doing one podcast yeah. just on looking at all the various candidates there are I mean the thing I'd say with Ian Holloway on the finance side is don't, let's not forget last time he was here he was trying to push him into the Premier League he would come here knowing they're either in League 1 or in League 2 and there's no secrets about how limited our yeah. finance yeah. But are he, he would be fully aware of but it. he will have other options and, and you know he you've got to ask him that question would he, would he take a chance of coming back to a club that there is a lot of div- division regarding him if he didn't have the finances and to do what he wanted to do because you know I'm not sure that he would do that I really don't you say um, that but I'm not convinced he would have loads of options there's been a lot of jobs since he's been out of work well, and, I, he's, I, and he's not gone anywhere he applied for the Bristol job and if he didn't, if he well didn't get the right job he'd stay and do what he's doing because yeah, he doesn't need the money there's a lot of and, and there, to put himself in a position where it might all go to <laughs> Pink Tom. Pink Tom. Pink Tom. <laughs> <laughs> no no saying. No saying. <laughs> anyway, that's not bad. I'm wrong. You're learning. You're learning, Danny. Yeah, Good to see. Uh, um, I, th- I think that uh, he, would he take that risk? Uh, I'm you, not so sure. If we do a Christmas highlights <laughs> reel this year, that's it. <laughs> I think the thing with, with Ollie as well, when you look back to his days at QPR, you know, he, he was working under real tight restrictions there from a financial perspective as well. Mm. And he did give a lot of those young players at QPR an opportunity well, so maybe that could be another box that but, but the time, time has gone on and I think his his desire to do things a certain way has changed as well he's got older he's been in a few jobs since then um, I'm not saying he wouldn't I'm not saying that I'm just saying that I, I mean I know Ian pretty well uh, from my playing days um, and I've, I've known him as a manager and, and I've spoken to him and you know, you never know what the, he's going to do. That, that's the great thing about Ian. He, he's got, you know, he'll surprise you, um, you know, when you least expect it. Uh, but I just don't know if this is the right place for him at this particular time. I'm, I can't say, but... You would have thought that Argo would be interested in talking to yes, him. Yes. That, and that and you would think that he would be interested in yes. talking to them. Yes. And then you would make a, a, make a decision from there. But it, surely it... it it must be likely. Very. I just likely can't think of many boxes that he doesn't tip. Yeah. Maybe no, he ticks all the boxes. Maybe from his age, maybe mm. if you're mm. looking for a younger manager, that is mm. no, He ticks yeah. a lot of boxes, yeah. Jack. Mm. But it's him. It's not what we think. It's not what Simon Halley, oh, he ticks all our boxes. He's got to tick all the boxes for us. Yeah. And for himself. Uh, yeah. And with his family. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and that's the thing. It's not like he's a, a lad that's just coming from you know, non-league right. football and he's, he's getting an opportunity yeah. to actually jump at the chance. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. The, the interesting thing about this as well, of course, is it's happened so late in the season. And if Argyle, well, Argyle are going to be looking for a new manager once the season's finished, then, of course, you start talking about retain lists and things like that. And a real fair question from John Hornsby, um, who's going to be responsible for that now? Well, we don't know the answer to that yet. With Derek Adams and Paul Watton having gone and Ian Roscoe just arriving as head of player recruitment... The only one that is likely to be is, is possibly Kevin Natskeville, but um, we don't know about his future beyond uh, this Saturday's game. So the retain list has to get done you know, pretty much straight away after the end of the season. So whether the board would say to Kevin Natskeville, can you come up with a retain list of what you think? Um, it's, again, one of those questions that we, uh, we need to ask for the powers that be, um, because there isn't anyone else at the club that you would imagine would be deciding on players' futures. So I don't think too much is going to change, apart from, I think it's more of an issue of the younger players, because I think you've got the ones that are out of contract that will be waiting to find out what other mm. offers they get anyway. Mm. You've got the ones that are on two-year deals. I think there's very few that are in that sort of space where mm. I, got, I won't want them, or they'll let them go. And I think... But the decisions are still, gonna, yeah. decisions yeah. still have to make. It might only be a relatively small number, but decisions still have to be yeah. made. And 
who is going to make that decision. It's got to be him. What it? I also would say is that over the last six probably months, the manager and Simon Hallett and certain board members would have been talking about certain things. So yeah. they may have a certain amount of knowledge about what Derek, Derek Adams, Adams thought yeah. about certain people because yeah. they would have started to, to make that happening now, six yeah. months ago for uh, at the end of the season. So it may be that um, there's certain players are going to be just let go, the ones that have been injured, the ones that Derek Adams uh, has not been involved in in his, in his squads. Obviously the people that have got contracts, that solves itself. Um, that's what's going to happen, I think. I think that there's a certain amount of knowledge that's already gained, and I think Simon Hallett and the board will probably know with a little bit of help from Kevin Nanskifield what they're going to be doing in the short term. Yeah, and of course it all depends on, on what league our goal are going to be in next year as well, because that will obviously depend on... Knowing Derek Hansi would have had a list for both already. Yeah. And you would have spoken yeah. to certain people yeah. about it already. Yeah, sure. So... What league are Argyle going to be in next year? That's the uh, million dollar question. The important I guess. thing, um, I think, the important thing is that a draw could be enough. I think if Scunthorpe had leapfrogged Argyle, they'd beaten Bradford, and that would have been a very tough ask. I take some comfort in that. I wouldn't be relying too much on a draw, though, Jack. No, I'm not relying on it, but I, I think it's best that Argyle don't necessarily need to win. I no. think that would have been a big pressure. I, I can't see, I can't see Southend beating Sunderland, and if the players are worth any of their salt on the last game of the season at home. We should beat Scunthorpe and it'd be okay. That's my thoughts. It's incredible, isn't it? 12 months ago, both teams were fighting for the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. Live on Spice. Yeah. And that's mm. how football can change so quickly. So quickly. Yeah. And it can happen to anybody at any time. How many times have we seen teams from nowhere get relegated mm. that we never expected and vice versa? Teams get. I remember a few years ago, was it Bristol Rovers that had a great run after Christmas and, and got promotion? Can happen to anybody, one end and the other. Neither, so, neither yeah. team can defend, so they'll probably be <laughs> six, six five to us. <laughs> there might be maybe a fair few goals, although it wouldn't surprise me now it's going to be nil nil at the weekend. No, it won't be nil nil. Well, I mean, we can talk about all the different permutations, and, and one of the ones that you and I were discussing earlier, Chris, was with Sunderland and the position that they're in, because of course, very unlikely they're going to get automatic promotion now. They could go into that South End game and, and risk players for, for the playoffs. Absolutely, they could do that. They could uh, sort of clock off, so to speak, and, and not be too bothered. But uh, the players that come into the team, if they do make changes, might think, well, you know, this is a chance to try and get myself into a playoff semi final team and maybe even an appearance at Wembley. Um, Sunderland have got a big squad, as Jack and I know when we saw the back page of the programme <laughs> when we went up to the Stadium of Light not that long ago. They've got some good players, um, you know. That might be a mentality game as far as Sunderland are concerned, but um, partly with a bit of hope and partly with with my head as well. You know, I, there's no reason why a team like Sunderland can't go and win at South End or even draw at South End. And if they draw at South End, and Argyle have put the pressure on by getting that early goal that we spoke about earlier and go on to win, they're gonna stay up by the skin of the teeth. So that's what we're all hoping for. It's not in control of their own destiny, so that is is not great. You know, if it was just a simple win and stay up, obviously you would. Uh, yeah. We'd all feel probably a all, little bit more confident. Do, but all they can do is what's in their destiny, which is win exactly. the football match, and put and, the pressure yeah, on and Southend and Wimbledon and exactly. see how they respond to that. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's a way it's a way for them if they do win that game and stay up, it'll almost be like a playoff reaching moment. That celebration. At the oh end, yeah, being euphoric. It'll be euphoric, and these players might not get that chance again. You know, it's yeah. it's a good chance to right a lot of wrongs that have been done this season. Yeah. So how do you think it will go on Saturday? 
I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'll tell <laughs> you what, you're a pundit, I'll, Jack. I'll need a few to... drinks after it if we stay up wherever we go down. It's, and before, I think. It's crazy because I, I, just, I just feel more optimistic now Derek Adams has gone. I really do, and that's my honest and truth. I, and I honestly think that a lot of the fans yeah. and a lot yeah. of our listeners will be feeling like that. Well, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get the focus on him. Derek Adams would have brought a lot of attention on himself by being there. And I think this completely takes that away from that moment. And like I said, it may be a part of the club and him decided that, you know, and, and the focus is now on the football team and only on the football team. A tough one. Well, we'll sort of see what will happen. Um, that's all we've got time for this week. A big thank you to Danny for coming to My join pleasure. us. No it's great to see you, Danny, and just, to Chris and Jack, of course. Just worth mentioning, Stu, we are working on plans for another podcast later this week. So yes, watch fingers this, crossed. Fingers crossed. Can't say any more. Watch this space. Hopefully, we'll have a, a special edition later in the week. Indeed. But if not, we will certainly be back around this time next week to uh, dissect the Scunthorpe match if Jack's still alive. I'm not going to hiding. <laughs> yeah. But thanks for listening and uh, hope to see you again next week. Bye bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.